MacPow Users, episode 247, The Onslaught Revisited. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you doing, Katie Floyd? I'm well, David. How are you? Great, great. It's sunny day here in Southern California. We didn't we didn't get much of a winter this year. It is downright hot here in Florida. I mean, we're mid-80s. We're going to be in the 90s before you know it now. I, I'm trying to figure out in California at what point it stops being, you know, when you have a drought so many years in a row, it, does it stop being a drought year and is it just... This is the way it is for now on. We the just desert? don't get any rain. Yeah, I think it's exactly. just the desert. Um, well, anyway, the, the reason we, the, the topic for today's show is read it later in RSS Revisited. And we've talked about these uh, issues on the show several years in the past, but it's been a long time. And the context for the title, The Onslaught Revisited, is the first time we talked about this. This goes way back to like episode 10 or in that neighborhood. Uh, I called it the onslaught. And the idea was, you know, we get all this information thrown at us and the internet makes it so much easier to follow more people and read more stuff that suddenly you're just overwhelmed with it. And how do you deal with it? So uh, we're going to revisit the onslaught. What do you think? I think that sounds scary. I mean, it sounds like I need to like suit up or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're ready. Kitty I'm, Floyd. I'm always ready to suit up. I mean, you probably got like, You've got stuff in a closet somewhere that that could could handle it when it goes down. Right? I'm I'm good. I'm always ready. Good. Fully weaponized, vulcanized. Yeah, um, I'm good. The targ you got the targ hungry. <laughs> yeah, targ's ready to go. All right, good. Um, for reference, if you want to go back and listen to some of the shows we did on this before, we did a whole show on RSS back in 146, and read it later. We covered in 149. So that's some some background stuff, but. I think we're going to probably cover what you need in this show. You don't need to go back and listen to those unless you really want to. Of course um, they want so, to. Why wouldn't they want to? Yeah. Well, you know, while yeah. you're feeding the targ, you might need something to do. Um, so let's start, though, with just this whole idea of the onslaught. You know, what is it and, and how did it start? Um, I remember when I first got onto the Internet, maybe it was um, CompuServe or something like that. And I thought it was really cool that they had this this list of stories that they had put together from who knows where. But eventually I found my way onto the actual internet and found discovered websites that people make and thought it was great. And I would go to their websites to read them every day. And back then it felt like you could actually read all the websites every day. Maybe back then you could read the entire internet every day because there wasn't that much material, but those days are, are long gone. So what do you do now? Do you still no. go to the website every day? You could, but I'm not sure that would be the most efficient use of your time. Yeah, but you could if if you just follow a few. You know, if you're one of those f folks that just have one or two blogs. Maybe you just read katiefloyd.me and maxsparky.com and the rest of the internet doesn't matter to you. You're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. You can just turn it off right now and move on. But most people need a little bit more than that. And, and they discover more that they want. And, and I remember that, like, the bookmarks. Remember, you used to have the bookmarks. You'd go and... Oh, I had, bookmark. like, stacks of bookmarks. And then you could have the bookmarks open in the tabs that would, like, layer. And then yeah. you'd go through and read it and close it and go through and read it and close it. I, I would do that every day, man. So I'd open okay. all my Mac news and rumors, and I had them all organized. I, I had a system. Yeah. I believe that. But but you also probably had one computer at the time too, right? 
I did. Yep. And, and now you got one and, in your pocket and, and no iPad, you, no iPhone and none exactly. of that good stuff. Yeah. So, so that's another problem. Even if you do want to use the old theory of just go to the website, it's kind of hard to remember what you've seen and what you haven't, especially with all these devices. So anyway, uh, so then RSS shows up. It, RSS stands for really simple syndication. And that's kind of what it is. It's a way to track what you've read and not read at a website. And well, well RSS is a distribution mechanism. And, you know, if not for the power of RSS, we wouldn't be podcasting right now, David, because that's that's how this podcast is distributed is basically an RSS feed yep. with a with an attachment to it. So RSS is a way and, and not every website has to generate an RSS feed, but RSS is a way um, for all of these content producers, whether it be news or whether it be podcast or websites or whatever it is. To say, hey, you know, this is what I've got. This is, you know, to, to kind of send it out there in a list or some kind of hierarchical form and distribute it out to the world. And so I think there and, and some websites said, no, no way I'm given an RSS feed from my site. Why would I do that? What what benefit would that be to me? Because then people won't come read my site. And that was a fear. I think it still is to to some degree. But I think most people have accepted that, you know, you get what is it? You get more with honey than you do with vinegar. Yeah, well, it's, you know, websites make money to a large extent with the amount of traffic they get and putting out an RSS feed allows people to read your site with actually going to your site. You know, the advertisers don't get the clicks and and to a certain extent, your website doesn't get the traffic. So that's an issue for people. In fact, if you look in RSS feeds now, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we're trying to start basically, but they'll be, once you start using RSS, you'll see some websites where they give you the first paragraph of the article and then to say, you know, click here for more. Um, I, I don't do that, but you know, I also don't need the advertising from the website to pay my rent every month. If I did, I can see why people would probably do that. Well, um, or, or you develop and people have alternate methods for, um, for sponsorship, you know, instead of having the, the Google ads on the side of your page that people used to have, or instead of having other kind of advertisement on your page that's dependent per click, you do RSS sponsorships or a post that will show up on your site uh, as well as in your RSS feed. So people have gotten around that. And, and I, I'm fine with that because I, I prefer to see something in the feed or something as an RSS sponsorship than all this blinking, flashing stuff, you know, jumping at me on a web page. Okay. Well, RSS technologies for reading websites has changed quite a bit in the last few years because uh, because of Google. And we're going to explain that further in a minute. But before we get into kind of the nitty gritty, so let's just talk basically for someone out there. And I know there's a few of our listeners who haven't done this before. Um, if you are the person who's still in 2015 going and clicking on websites to check them, RSS is something you may want to look into. And the way it works is you get a... Um, you have a service usually that a lot, some of them are paid and some of them aren't that aggregate those RSS feeds that you like most. So let's say you like katiefloyd.me. Um, it pulls the RSS feed from Katie's website. So instead of you, ha well, let's say, let's say you like katiefloyd.me, you like maxsparky.com, you like maxstories.net, you like sixcolors.com. And so you've got, I don't know, what is that? Four sites that you'd like to go to every day. So instead of you having to go to those four sites every day, you go to one place and all of the content from th that one place checks those four sites for you periodically throughout the day. Usually, depending on the service, it's every couple of minutes, every 15 minutes, every half hour, something like that. And the news comes to you instead of you having to go to the news. 
Yeah, and it's usually a much simplified version of that information. Like a lot of these sites, these RSS sites will aggregate it and just make it kind of simple text. Maybe some of the graphics from the website, maybe not, but it's a very common format. So it's kind of like just getting a plain text version of the newspaper. It's very easy to read that way. And and that's really the the basis of what RSS is. So you go to one place instead of several. Now, now we've also had the addition of applications, both on the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac that, that do that as well. You don't just have to go to a website anymore. In fact, I think Katie and I both, neither one of us really are, are people that go to the websites for RSS anymore. We both do it in all apps. And we're going to talk about that in a minute too. But so the idea of RSS though, is once you sign up with an RSS service, it kind of does the part of going out to the internet for you and just keeps those articles it also if done properly tracks what you have read and not read in that rss feed so you can jump between devices so if you read part of your rss feed on your iphone and a few minutes later or six hours later you go to your ipad or your mac the ones that you already marked red on your iphone are not going to show up and you'll just see the ones that are new yeah think of it kind of like what imap did for email yeah, that, that's a very good parallel is IMAP. So it, it it tracks what you've done and what you haven't done, and it keeps them in sync, which to me is is really the big benefit of RSS is the ability not to have to look through the same thing twice. And are we ready to talk about the great RSS shakeup of 2013? I think I think it's time. So before in 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 the what are we calling it BG before Google? Before Google, that works. Yeah. yeah, BG. We we had a number of different RSS applications, and I don't even know if you'd call them services, but they many of them had add-on services to them. Uh, probably the most common on the Mac platform, and the one that I used was Net Newswire. And so you would subscribe. It was starting to become popular that people were having multiple devices. So if you went to Net Newswire. You could also subscribe to their Net Newswire service, and I think was there called Feedgator or Feed? So I don't remember. I thought it. I thought there it had was a, a Feedgator, and I know that they they had some connection with um with that app, but I don't remember if they were the same company or it was just someone they worked with. Yeah, but Net Newswire had a service, or they would try. I thought at some point they tried to hook into Apple's service at some point, but it, it was a whole weird thing. But these the specific apps would sync. And so you would have a sync service within the app. So you would go look at the app, the app would pull down your information, and then the app would sync with other instances of the app to say, okay, this is what was read and what was unread. And then Google introduces this service called Google Reader, and it and it creates an API for Google Reader. And what Google says is, no, no, subscribe to all of your RSS feeds through Google. It's free. No problem. We're Google. Um, you can subscribe to all of your RSS feeds through us. And then, hey, app developers, just build and support for us. You know, you don't have to worry about maintaining all of your sync services. And the app developers couldn't compete. You know, they why why compete with free? Why compete with what Google was doing? Just build their apps to support Google's API. So all of the app developers started shutting down their sync services and rely on, on Google's sync service. And then all of a sudden in 2013... Um, you know, Google service is free. And they said, yeah, I think we're done with this. And they decided that they were going to shut down 
Google Reader in 2013. And now we're kind of back to the BG time, the before Google time, but we're in a very different place because before Google came, not everybody read their RSS feeds on different devices. Not everybody needed sync, but now we do. And now that people have had a taste of what sync is like, they're never going to go back. And so all of these other RSS sync services started popping up. And so now people who really depend on RSS need a sync service. What are they going to do? And that's kind of what we talked about um, in that original show. What was that episode 146 is we, we talked about all the RSS services that were popping up and there've been some new ones. And some of the ones I think we talked about even have shut down that were popping up as, as a result of the Google reader shutdown. Yeah. And, um, but it's been quite a bit of time since that last episode. And I think we've kind of evolved. Both the services have evolved and our opinions of them have evolved. Well, uh, I've evolved. You haven't evolved, didn't I? No, I'm just kidding. Wow. wow that hurts. Because <laughs> you're, you are actually, I think we'll talk about that. You're actually still using the service that you were using back in yeah. 2013, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. I did a really good job of choosing the first time. You did. So why don't you, why don't you, uh, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your current contender and, and well, what you're using? Okay. So first I'd just like to back up just a little bit and name okay. drop a fan of our show. Brent Simmons is um, the guy behind Net Newswire, and he's. We should probably have had him on the show because he knows so much about this. I, but I can't believe we haven't. Haven't we had him on the show? Well, that's in process. That's okay. in process. I Brent's we, a great programmer. I knew we were working on it. But either way, the um, at the time he had written the great line, "Hell is other people's sinking systems," and I thought that was that really summed up how difficult it was back in the day. But when Google backed out, once again, they left this void and people started looking and some very smart developers got in, got in there and started creating services. There's a lot of services available. Katie and I have narrowed it down to three for the show because we think there's three that are are worthy of our audience. Let's put it that way. Um, and, and, and let me just go ahead and preface this now. If we don't cover your service, please send us in an audio comment, feedback yeah. at mypowerusers.com. And and tell us what we missed and and what you specifically like about the service that we missed, so we can feature that um, on the upcoming MPU live show. Yeah, and we prefer that as a recording. But if if you don't feel comfortable recording yourself, just send it in as an email. We can do that too. Um, so anyway, get, getting back to the services, when we went back, I kind of went through all of them, and there was one that really stuck with me from the beginning, and that was Feed Wrangler. Um, which I believe is feedwrangler.com. Yes. Oh, sorry. Feed, feedwrangler.net. And uh, that's the service I went with. And I was looking, I felt like Google dropping out of the, uh, the system was an opportunity because Google did a great job, but you know, they weren't innovating that much with RSS. And I thought, you know, maybe some of these smart developers might come up with a way to help make my feed uh, even better than just a, simply a list of blogs that I told it to read every week. And Feed Wrangler was one of the first to to do that. And there's two ways that they primarily do it. Uh, first of all, it's a paid service. It's $19 per year. And uh, I gladly pay that. And the first thing they did was they added what they called smart streams. And smart streams are collections of blogs or, you know, uh, uh, RSS feeds that are important to you. And you can manage them in Feed Reader uh, by just, you know, collecting them and sorting them into groups. In my case, I've got um, one called key blogs, like, and these are the ones that I just don't want to miss. So there's very few in there, but they're things that if I'm not going to read anything else, 
I will read those key blogs. Uh, the next one is called Apple. And in that, I've got a group of like 20 different Apple blogs. You know, it goes up and down. And that's something we could probably talk about later as well as managing how many of these things you subscribe to before it becomes an onslaught. Um, but I've got you know my Apple group of blogs. And then I've got another set called Interesting. And those are just things that I find interesting that are not related to technology and Max Sparky stuff. And then I've got a also a smart stream called Legal, you know, because I have a separate career and I keep track of California business law and I've got a bunch of blogs and people I follow on that. And the nice thing about the smart streams and Feed Wrangler is I can kind of contextually review my feeds. So if I'm sitting down here with my lawyer hat on, I'll just say, well, I want to catch up with the news. I click on the legal smart stream and I can get through that very quickly. And I don't get sidetracked into the latest MacBook, you know, controversy. Or um, if I want to, if I don't have a lot of time, I'm really busy, but I do want to keep up with just the key stuff. I can read the key blogs. And then with the applications you use for this, you can always mark the unread things in bulk as read and just kind of get them out of your life if you don't have time to deal with them. So as you can see, I can really uh, stratify where I'm going to be spending my my mind or my time thinking about my reading. Make sense? Everything except stratify. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I knew I was stretching it there because I was thinking about my next sentence and talking at the same time. You'd think at, at 247 shows that I would stop making up words. That's fine. But I think it just you happens. Should, I think you should keep going. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. So far, smart streams. Um, but the, anyway, so are, are those? Tell me how smart streams are smarter than folders, though. Well, they're not really. I mean, okay. you go in and you make them. It's it's the same type of thing, but the way it's set up, you can. I do think one issue with folders is a lot of times they're app specific. So you'd have to create the folders in whatever app you're working on. And I know you're, you're a reader of choice, which we're going to talk about in a minute. One question I'll have for you is do the folders sync? Like if you create a folder on one, does it, does it show up everywhere? Uh, okay. I don't all know right. that I have an answer, but all right. Okay. Well, think about that. The other thing that it does that is kind of the power tip for feed wrangler is filters. Yes, so, I agree. And filters are kind of a step above. So I, I've got certain blogs I like that are kind of what I call fire hose, hose blogs, uh, one of which is The Verge. And, I, you know, The Verge puts out a lot of posts and they have sub RSS feeds. And you're going to find this on some of the bigger websites like The Verge has one called Culture Posts and like the stuff they do about movies and books. I kind of am interested in what The Verge says about that because they they're geeks like me. And sometimes they have something interesting. They also have an Apple. Um, the Verge has like an Apple like RSS feed, but they put a lot of stuff in there that's not related to Apple. Like they have a lot of discussion of Android and I'm just not interested in the whole iOS versus Android, you know, running battle. I just don't care. You know, I like, I like iOS. I'm I'm not going to be switching. I don't, I just don't need to know about all that stuff. Um, uh, another one is Samsung. I am so tired of hearing about, you know, what Samsung is doing to hurt Apple and what Apple's doing to hear Samsung. So I've got that subscription to the Verge posts uh, that are Apple related, but I've got filter words. Oh, another one is lawsuit. I, I just don't care about lawsuits in technology. I just, I just, I deal with it lawsuits enough. So I've got these filter words and any post that has those filter words in it, it cuts them out. Now, so all this, a question, uh, are, yeah. are filters set up 
per site or filters set up per stream? Yeah, let me show you here. Let me get, let me get it open just to make sure. Yeah, this is an but, audio podcast. You can't show me. Yeah, I know. I know. Boy, you're rough on me lady, lately, I'm just, Katie. I'm just I'm explaining for the benefit of our listeners. Yeah, okay. So, um, it, no, it is across. But, like, for instance, I've got a filter uh, for I call Windows Makers, Dell, Acer, Toshiba. And it, it cut one post out in the Apple posts. Uh, and I call it the Windows Makers. And the same thing with Android. Um, and I don't have lawsuit cut out, but I have the word patent cut out. I had forgot because my, because my um my legal career I, I I guess I tried a lawsuit and that suddenly started destroying all my my legal blocks, but I use the word patent because patent technology patent laws and stuff I just don't care about you know and right now um the the word patent has cut out a daring fireball article um it has cut out a, a patent from doctor the good doctor um slaw and persuasive litigator so several uh, places that i have that have patent related articles i just didn't see in my feeds and i am so fine with that so that that's a really nice feature with feed wrangler the other thing i like about feed wrangler is it's just wicked fast i've never had any problems i've been running this one uh, i ran several for about two or three months after google shut down and so i've been running this one the entire time I've never had any service outages. It's always the articles show up very quickly. I know because I'll post something at Max Barkey and very shortly thereafter, it will show up in my feed in Feed Wrangler because obviously I'm following myself. And I think $19 a year is a pretty fair uh, price for that kind of service. Um, And then Feed Wrangler, are you having any trouble using it in any of your third-party apps? Did you have to switch any apps because of Feed Wrangler? Or is it pretty universally supported at this time? When we when we first started this road, when Google first shut things down, it took all of the app developers some time to get caught up with the third-party apps. And I, I could see how they were prioritizing. So they must have had some kind of stats to know, you know, a significant percentage of these people are using, you know, Newsblur or Feedly or Feed Wrangler. And they were, they were adding them in. But at this point, a few years into it, all the major services are supported by all of the major apps. And we're going to talk later about the apps that we specifically use to do this with. Um, but so my apps are, are entirely supported by Feed Wrangler. Feed Wrangler does have its own iOS app. The last time I used it, I was not impressed. And, you know, I haven't checked it since then. Yeah, but you probably haven't used it since your app of choice got um, yes. got support. So you probably haven't used it in a while. Yes. So. All right. Well, anything more on uh, on Feed Wrangler? Uh, Feed Wrangler is still doing the job. You know, Good. gets you gets you some. If you're going to use it, definitely use the filters and the smart streams. Okay. Cool. Now, now you're on Feedly, right? Yeah, but um, how about before we do that, why don't we take a quick break and you tell us about our first sponsor, and then I'll come back and tell you about Feedly. That sounds like a great idea. And our sponsor yeah. today is Pixelmator for Mac. Uh, the gang over at Pixelmator has been hard at work. In the last year, they've come out with an amazing iOS app. And you know what? They've also done the same thing for the Mac. They got an Apple Design Award winner for the best of the Mac app store with Pixelmator. Uh, Pixelmator is the application to make adjustments to your photos and do other graphics things on your Mac uh, at a, a fraction of a price of some of these big 
software companies, and, fr- and frankly, in my opinion, giving you all the features you need. Pixelmator takes full advantage of the latest Mac technologies, giving you speedy, powerful tools that let you touch up and enhance images, draw or paint, or apply effects to existing images, or create ex- advanced compositions with, and it's all really simple. It uses not only the central processor of your Mac, the, the CPU, it also uses the graphics uh, um, the graphics processor, so it, it works very fast. So once your images are ready, you can access them anywhere in the iCloud and send them to iPhoto or Aperture. Uh, you know they're going to be supporting photos as soon as that comes out. Uh, it's also got great sharing features, so you could email it or print it or share it or save them to any popular image format right from Pixelmator. It's a powerful, pixel-accurate collection of selection tools, so you can easily select any part of the image, cutting out backgrounds, for instance, is a breeze in Pixelmator. And one of the things I love best about this application is you don't have to be a pro to run it. It's pretty intuitive. And if you have any problem, you can go to their website and they've got all these great tutorials where you can just watch a tutorial and learn how to run the website or run, learn how to run the application. Uh, the tutorials are not long, but they're high. They're like our show. We like to give you a lot of content with a little bit of noise. And that's just like Pixelmator's tutorials. You can edit and apply special effects to portions of your pictures, which is nice. So you can just fix the background without screwing up something in the front. And they've got top-notch painting tools with brush sizes, shapes, hardness, and blending modes. Uh, They also have great retouching tools, so you can correct wrinkles and repair scratches. You can make flaws vanish vanish from your photos. So if you've got some older photos, uh, family photos that were taken with the old film cameras, and the picture is scratched, you can fix that with Pixelmator. You can also blur, sharpen, lighten, darken specific areas if it's overexposed or underexposed, and you can get rid of that red eye effect. And that's all the old pictures in my family, you know, with the old cameras where the flash would blast you right in the face. You can fix that now with Pixelmator. So you can combine all this stuff to get an endless number of ways to refine your images. Uh, so go check it out. They've got 160 different effects you can play with. So once you have your picture looking great, you can start adding effects to it. They've added layer styles, so you can add non-destructive layer effects like shadows, outlines, color, gradient fills, and reflections. And all of this is, like I said, easily shareable. You can open images using the PSD, TIFF, JPEG, PNG, PDF, and many other popular formats. You can save Photoshop images with layers, and it all supports iCloud. And it was built exclusively for the Mac. It's it's just my favorite photo editing app on the Mac or the iPad. And they've been a longtime sponsor of the show. We really appreciate that. So um, go over, you can go over to um, the App Store on the Mac to buy Pixelmator. Uh, but if you do that also, please drop them a note to let them know you heard about it on the Mac Power Users. I also recommend going to their website, uh, pixelmator.com, and you can watch some of those tutorials, like I said, and get a better idea of what you can do with this application. Even if you're one of those people that have always felt like these advanced graphics applications are beyond your level of expertise, Pixelmator is a great way to get started. It's not expensive to get into it. They've got great tutorials, and before you know it, you'll be a pro. So check it out, and thanks, Pixelmator, for the support of the Mac Power Users. So kind of... Yeah, kind of like you. I I tried a bunch of these services um, starting off, and I agree. Uh, I I really liked um, some of the advantages, but I you know the one that I ultimately decided to stick with after all of my subscriptions ran out the first year um, is I ultimately went with a free service, and I went with Feedly. Um, I liked Feed Wrangler. I liked the filters, and I liked things like that. But I you know I just found that. 
for what I, I just wasn't using those features enough um, for me to make it justify the cost. Now, of course, the concern with any kind of free service is that, you know, a la Google, Google Reader is that it could go away one day. So I'm I'm very aware of that. And if I had to pick another one, I'd, I'd probably uh, go back to Feed Wrangler. Um, but, but Feedly, I would say, is good enough for me at this point. It sounds like a ringing endorsement, doesn't it? Well, uh, you know, and one of the things we don't have in the outline, but I think one of the points I would want to make in this show is once you learn about RSS or maybe you already fully understand RSS, it's very easy to oversubscribe. You know, and you open your RSS feeder and you see there's a thousand articles that you have unread. And that, that just indicates that you've probably bit off more than you can chew unless you just want to quit your job you know and you know ignore your kids and just read a thousand articles yeah and and I, that was one thing that i did do when i when i moved from google reader into all these other services to try is i really culled down on the feeds that i was subscribing to yeah i i really try to focus on websites especially in the technology stuff because there's a bunch of them that just all write the same thing over and over again and i try and cut out what I call the fire hose sites. Like I do have the verge, but I it's heavily filtered. Um, and see, I, I, I don't much, have the verge. I would much rather get my news from people, uh, smaller publishers like, um, like six colors or, you know, Mac stories or Katie Floyd me, you know, smaller people that have an opinion on something and, and just read what they say and just cut out those ones that are going to throw 40 articles a day at me. I just don't need that stuff in my feed. But well, so that, that and I know we haven't gotten there yet, but I'll tell you, this is where Twitter has really filled the void for me is I've cut back on a lot of feeds that I'm I'm looking at in my RSS feed and and I'm making up the difference really in, in Twitter because the people that I follow on Twitter are are pointing out other things for me. But I, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But I guess, you know, following up with Katie, if I were able to cut like half of my feeds out, I probably could get by with Feedly too. I probably wouldn't need the filtering. Um, yeah. But I also just the the nerd part of me just loves the idea that I can add a word and just suddenly filter those articles out so I never see them. I'm I'm just fascinated with the idea of automation to the extent that it that it it knows enough to take stuff out of my life that I don't want to see. Yeah, I mean that that is really great. And there's a flip side of that, which I want to talk about with the next service, which is why it's attractive to me as well. But. But, you know, just the idea that you can create a robot that is going to say, oh, Dave doesn't like patent stories. Okay, well, just make sure he never sees one. That That is nice. But it, it also just, I think it's one of my um, hangups as a nerd is I always want to be able to do stuff like that. <laughs> Sometimes to my own detriment. Um, anyway, so so tell me more about Feedly. Yeah, Feedly is is basically a clone of the Google API. And so as as a result of this, it was probably uh, that and the fact that it's free uh, is probably one of the reasons that it was supported by most services right out the door. So whereas it, it took a little while for the news blurs and the feed wranglers and things like that to be supported by the third party services, you, you saw most of the third party services providing support for Feedly either right off the bat or pretty quickly. And I think that was that was due to two things. Number one, it was probably pretty easy to do because of the way that Feedly built itself. Um, and, and number two, because they were free, they probably had a fairly large subscriber base that that made it worthwhile. 
Um, and, and so for the free Feedly account, you really don't get many bells and whistles, but you're basically cloning the same basic functionality that you got with Google Reader. You know, you can create folders and move subscriptions into folders, and those folders do sync across my multiple devices. Um, in answer to your question, David, I don't think that I, uh, you know, I don't think I know that I have moved things to folders and that has synced across multiple devices, but I'm not sure that I have created folders on my apps. So um, that that has been a, an oddity. I, whenever I create folders, I always do that within the Feedly web app. So I haven't created a folder on one of my devices and, and had that replicate over to Feedly. So perhaps that's a limitation. Um, they do give you a bookmarklet that you can use to subscribe for feeds. I, I don't, I use that sometimes. I do have it in my Safari bar, um, but I've got an alternate method that was actually recommended by a Mac Power users listener and that I keep a, an app on my phone that has extension support. Um, and Feedly does have a paid version. I mean, I, I want to be cognizant that, you know, free things can go away and you want to be aware that if you don't pay for these things, then they, they may very well go away for you if you don't support their development. Uh, the pro version of Feedly is $5 a month or $45 a year. And you get some additional features like power search within saved articles. Um, it will search, it will fetch your feeds faster. That's one of the things I've noticed with Feedly is I think it only uh, combs your feeds like every 15 minutes or so. And if you're a pro version, it will do it um, more frequently. Um, with Feedly, uh, if you pay for it, then you can, from the Feedly website, you can save articles to many other supported services like Evernote or Readability or Dropbox or Pocket. Um, but I'll tell you candidly, 99% of the time I'm using Feedly through a third-party app, so I've got access to those features anyway. Um, and with the, the big thing you get with the pro version is if this, then that support, and as well as Zapier. So if those are things that are important, uh, the pro version will give that to you as well. Yeah, I'm looking at their if this then that support right now, and it's pretty good. It it can apply if this then that rules to things from a new source, an article with a certain tag, an article saved for later, or an article from a certain category. So you could, if you want to automate, you know, saving or archiving or doing further action on something over this web service, uh, Feedly actually is a pretty good solution. And the, once again, the price is not totally unreasonable. Yeah. It's a little bit more. Well, it's quite a bit more than Feed Wrangler. But once again, if this stuff saves you that much time, you, you know, your time has value, too. Right. Um, so. They did. They did have a limited number of lifetime subscriptions for ninety nine dollars. But I think that was limited to the first five thousand people that signed up. And if I remember correctly, I think those sold out in a day. Yeah. So that, <laughs> that was probably the sweet spot. But of course, the question is, what does lifetime mean? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds pretty. I think I have a pretty good idea what that's supposed to mean. Well, it's the lifetime of the service. And so how long yeah. is that? I mean, yeah. at, at 20 bucks a month, you know, or excuse me, at 20 bucks a year for, for Feed Wrangler, you know, you're going to get some time out of that before you come close to hitting $99 yeah. for Feedly. Yeah. Um, then uh, another, can I move on to the next one that I'm interested in? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So there's another one that uh, I tried, I got, I was very interested in early and on, but it wasn't up to the standards of Feed Wrangler two years ago, but it, I think it's made a lot of progress, and that's Newsblur. And Newsblur um, is another subscription service. It's $24 a year, so it's in the same ballpark. Um, and it is supported by the third-party apps, which it wasn't the last time I looked at it. And they've got some really interesting things about sharing and public blogs. So like they make it easy that they've got a sharing angle to the stuff where you like it, they make it easy to share. And even if people don't 
aren't, you know, news blur subscribers or aren't even RSS people, you've got the ability to publish your own like website through them. And you can make your own comments on the articles that you flag for the website. So if you have like a bunch of people in your family and you're all interested in, you know, skiing, you could put together kind of a website just through RSS where you pick things. Like I was thinking about this feature would be great. Like if you're going to do like one of those big family vacations where everybody meets in Big Bear or somewhere where they're going to go in the snow together, you could like capture articles in your RSS feed about local goings ons and best slopes and all that kind of stuff. And then you could comment on it and just send that link out and all of your family members, even those who would never, ever, ever in the world sign up for an RSS feed can still get the benefit of that. So I thought that was an interesting feature. Um, what I like most about news blur, and I've been using a, um, a test account for a couple of weeks now, and I haven't decided for certain to move over and it's one, but I'm, yeah, I wish they had a monthly subscription because I'd like to just buy it for like three months, but maybe at the end of the day, I'll just pay the 24 bucks and just, you know, try it for a year, but they've got a training methodology for the stuff where you can vote up or down articles. It's, it's literally a thumbs up or thumbs down based on the author, the story, um, the blog. So this gives you a way to say, wow, you know, I really like reading about John Gruber's thoughts on the iWatch or the Apple watch. How long is it going to take me to stop saying iWatch Katie Floyd? Forever. Uh, but, uh, so the, um, so I can thumbs up those. And then like, maybe there's another author at some other website that is in my feed. And every time he writes something about the Apple watch, I think the guy is um, smoking something. So I say thumbs down on this guy. And suddenly, um, news blur will start knowing better what I want to read and focusing on that stuff and getting rid of the junk. So once again, the computer doing some thinking for me and making this even smarter, I think that is a really intriguing feature. I mean, uh, feed wrangler, I have a little bit more control over because it's smart stream or it's a filter. I mean, it doesn't have the word patent in it. It's out of here. You know, that's easy enough, but this would be a little more subtle and perhaps better. In fact, I think I'm just going to pay 24 bucks and then on the next live show, remind me and I'll tell you what I'm thinking about it. But News Blur to me is an as another real contender and they're in my third party apps that I like to use. So, you know, they, they're supported. However, now is even the uh, the thumbs up, thumbs down supported? No, OK, that's, that was my however. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so so that that is a problem because then what am I going to go to the website to do all this? That that's yeah, the I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Yeah. So but, you know, and but but. You know, there there may be some authors or some subjects that are worth spending a minute to go to the website and giving them a thumbs down or a thumbs up. And it's going to make everything you get on your third party devices so much better. So uh, I don't know. I, I, the, the thing I like about most about this is we've got three services we've covered here now, and they're all different and they're all aiming slightly differently at ways to provide a better service. And. And they're all in business. You know, I mean, like if you look at Newsblur, one of the things I like about their site is they give real stats on their website about response time, numbers of subscribers. I mean, they've got they're they're very um, uh, they're very open about what they're doing and how fast their servers are working. And and um, they're clearly uh, got a successful business. I mean, it's a one guy operation, but it's working for him. And I don't know, I just, I like the fact that we've got these options and there is this competition because back in the days that Google ruled the world on this subject, we just didn't, you know, we just didn't have any other options. You had Google and that was it. So, so this is a good thing. 
It, it is a good thing. Having choice is always a good thing. I'd like to hear from some listeners. If there's any listeners that are, are using Newsblur, let me know what your thoughts are, because I haven't used it enough to give a good opinion on it. In fact, that would be an excellent subject for an audio comment if you're a longtime Newsblur user. But um, the uh, I, I am very curious about Newsblur enough so that you know I'm going to be giving it a real firm test and possibly moving that direction. But the Feed Wrangler has been great, too. So I don't know what to say. Good deal. Hey, you want to take, we've been going on for a while um, and we've got quite a bit more material, but why don't we just take another break right now and then continue with some alternatives to RSS. Yeah. Our uh, next sponsor for this episode is our good friends over at the Omni Group. And they announced earlier this year uh, that they are going to be transitioning their iOS line into what they call the Omni Productivity Pack. And this is a great thing because what this means is that all of Omni's currently shipping iPad apps are going to be updated to be universal apps designed to work both on the iPad and the iPhone. So if you already own the current versions of any of Omni's iPad apps, you're soon going to be able to use them on your iPhone at no additional cost. Um, now, we've already seen this happen. Um, I, I believe it's uh, OmniPlan and OmniGraffle have already uh, transitioned over to the productivity pack, so you can uh, use those already. Um, and, and we're going to be seeing Omni Outliner and Omni Focus coming soon. Now, Omni Outliner doesn't have an iPhone app, so this is going to be great to have Omni Outliner uh, on the iPhone for the first time. But what about Omni Focus? So since OmniFocus already has a great iPhone app. Uh, well, the beauty of that is since all of the apps in the Omni Productivity Pack are going to run both on iPad and iPhone, you're no longer going to have to purchase a separate app just to run OmniFocus on the iPhone. Uh, if you've already got the iPad app, you're set, you're good to go. Uh, if you don't, the price for the new Universal app will be just $39.99. That's a savings of $9.99 compared to the uh, if you bought both apps together. Um, and it's going to be a free upgrade for anyone currently using OmniFocus for iPad. Now, it, let's say you just have OmniFocus for iPhone and you want the universal one. Um, you can simply uh, pay the difference by taking advantage of Complete My Bundle. You know, we saw some other developers doing this previously to basically use Complete My Bundle to give them upgrade pricing. Um, and so that's a great option that Omni is taking advantage of. Um, and Omni is going to continue to update OmniFocus 2 for iPhone. Um, but the pro features, that's the, oh, did I mention you're going to get all the pro features such as custom perspectives that's going to be available in the universal app. Oh, and David, I don't know if you noticed, but our beloved OmniFocus is also going to come to the iWatch. Have you, have you seen the spy shots of that? There yeah. might, there might've been a few floating around on Twitter. So yeah. yes, OmniFocus is also coming to the Apple watch. Did you notice in the show notes, I wrote iWatch. Well, yeah, you, you said iWatch a minute ago. Did I say iWatch? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know how iWatch got in the show notes because I actually have a text expander snippet to correct every time I say iWatch to fix it to Apple Watch. So, well, those guys are really, you know, they're trying to figure out how to make it a good experience on the Apple Watch, like Omni Group does on everything. They they spend their time, a lot of time thinking, okay, how does our product work with this form factor? And I know that they're really struggling and finding the best way to give a good experience to OmniFocus users. Well, what do you need on your watch that, you know, that's, that's fast enough, but not worth taking it out of your pocket for. So I'm really curious to see how they, how they finish that. Cause I know that they're working really hard on it. Yeah. So stay tuned. Omni's already released some great stuff and they've got even more stuff coming. So thanks to the Omni group uh, for their great support of Mac power users. 
And, and you know, taking everything universal, that's the, in addition to being the fact that's just the way things are going, um, with these big phones now, um, you know, these Omni applications really can work on the phone. So, you know, it's, that's cool. I don't know. Um, all right. So let's talk about RSS alternatives. Yeah. I mean, so the, the big one is Apple's reading app. Um, or, or sorry, reading lists. I mean, that's, that's built in and everybody was afraid that, um, you know, reading list was going to kill, um, some of these and Apple has added some additional support, um, for, for shared links, which means if people are sharing things on Twitter, you're going to see those in the sidebar of Safari now. Well, I would really argue that reading list is more of a, it's a, it's an alternative to the read it later services we're going to cover later. Yeah, that's that's true. But the shared links may be more yeah. of a, a substitution for RSS. I thought those two were built in together, no? Well, it's sort of. I mean, it's two different buttons. So if you're in Safari and you go up to the top of the screen, you'll see that there is a pair of eyeglasses. And that is kind of the reading list, which we'll talk about later. And then if you click on the little at symbol, that's the shared links. And those are links shared by your contacts from whatever social ne- uh, networks you subscribe to. So you can say, like, everybody on Twitter that puts out a link, just put that. It, it will go and farm those out. So the people you follow on Twitter, any link that they link will show up there. Yeah. Okay. It's it, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, and um, a similar service to that is one that I think is quite popular. It's called Nuzzle. It's an app that kind of does the same thing. It looks at your, your Twitter friends and sees what they're linking. Uh, another one that I think a lot of people like is Flipboard. You know, Flipboard ha- has a big following. Yeah. Um, and then the one that I mentioned earlier that that some people are using to get rid of RSS altogether, and I know that I certainly used to supplement RSS, uh, is is Twitter. Because I've been able to cull down a lot of my RSS subscriptions by um, by following certain people on Twitter. But I'll tell you the reverse is also true. Uh, there were a lot of accounts that I follow on Twitter that I realized that all they're really doing is tweeting out their RSS feed. So, you know, I had to make a choice. Okay, I'm, I'm either going to follow these on Twitter or I'm going to put them in my RSS reader, but I'm not going to do both. I don't want to see this content in two places. Yeah, to me, there are some people that I just want to not miss anything they write. And that's um, why I, I try to follow more people than I do sites on Twitter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because if if a if a person retweets out tweets out a link to something that they do, and maybe it's a duplicate of what I've got in my RSS feed, like I know for example, and perhaps this is bad, I tweet out because I I post on my blog fairly infrequently. I tweet out links when I post something to my blog, and and maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should only tweet when it's something really you know important. But but there are a lot of like for example, there's a Twitter account associated with certain blogs that all that Twitter account does is tweet out links to the blog. Yeah. But I was thinking more in terms of there are some people, I just don't want to miss anything they write. So to me, they are RSS worthy. You know, uh, Jason Snell, Six Colors. True. I, I think he has done such great work over there um, since he started that website. I don't want to rely on Twitter to make sure I catch the stuff he writes because even the stuff I don't know about he wrote that I that just stumbles into my RSS feed. I usually enjoy reading that. So um, that that is an RSS. Whereas there's other people where if I just catch what they write when they tweet it out, that's fine. So everybody's got to make their own play at that. But if RSS is overwhelming for you, uh, just going with Twitter, you could do worse than that. Just, yeah. 
you know, just follow some smart people on Twitter and you're probably going to see most of the stuff you want. Uh, and again, that is a whole nother discussion because if you, if you're going to do that, be careful about not following so many people on Twitter that those links and those thoughts get buried in the noise. Right. Um, so what is your current plan? How do you handle the yeah. onslaught for, for RSS? Well, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm invested in feed wrangler and I'm interested in feed blur. I, I am interested in a system that does more thinking for me so I can spend less time reading things I'm not interested in or, you know, rejecting things I'm not interested in my RSS apps of choice in 2015 on iOS. I'm all in with unread. Hmm. And uh, that's new. I, I think that's be, a change. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be a big fan of reader with two E's and I just really like the layout and the way unread works. I wrote an article about this for Macworld about a year ago or so. Um, and unread, you know, kind of got a bad rap when it first started because it was pretty, but people felt like it was too tedious to use it. You know, like maybe it was just a little bit too cute, but they made a lot of nice interface tweaks to make it faster. But, Haven't the developers for Unread changed? Yeah, they did. Um, yeah. I don't remember the, the gentleman's name, but he had very kind of famously publicized how much money he made on the app and said, look, I put it like two years of my life into this and it's not making enough money for me to you know support my family. I'm going to have to take a job. And he sold the app. And that's all fine and dandy. The new developers are very um, active with the application. It's very well supported. Uh, one of the things that I had, the points I made in the Macworld article I wrote is, is I could save an article to my read it later service much faster with reader than I can in unread. And, you know, being it, so I'm going to be a geek for a minute. It's just, you know, with, with reader, it was one swipe and it was in your read it later service. Just that was, it, it was that easy with unread. It's a, a swipe and a tap. Oh my goodness. The you world know? is going to end. You yeah, but, swipe but, and tap. But that extra friction to me, it turned out to be a good thing because it was so easy to add things to my read it later service that I was, I was just loading up my read it later service with a bunch of stuff I was never going to read. You know? so, now, so now you think about it a minute before you do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You think about well, that tab. I've just kind of retrained myself and you know, how do I manage my feed? I, number one is I'm always looking at things that may get cut out of the feed. If, if it's something that's giving me and, and the ones that are most likely to get cut, aren't the ones that are published by people who put out, you know, one or two articles a day. It's the one, the fire hose sites, you know, I'm always looking at those to say, is this giving me what I really need? Or is this, or is this just causing me more grief than I need? Um, so I'm very careful about that. And uh, the way I, I read this stuff is largely on my phone or iPad. Um, I, I use on my Mac, I have an app called, you know, Reader also has a Mac version, which I paid for and almost never use. So uh, I like to read my feeds on my phone or my iPad, just depending on where I'm at in the world. And I go through them and I kind of have a, a triage system for short stuff. I will read it right there if it's something of interest to me, you know using the Jason Snell example. If he's got an article there that's probably 500 words or less, I'll just read it and then I'll be done with it. If it's a longer thing that I want to read, like, you know, Katie, you write a lot of long articles and um, I want to read your stuff kind of carefully. So usually when you put up a longer article, I save it to my read it later service, which is pocket. We're going to talk about later in the show. And so that's kind of how I go through things. I either skip it or I read the short stuff or I save the long, the longer stuff to pocket. And also even the short stuff may get saved to pocket. If it's something I'm going to act on later. And we'll talk about that in the second half of the section as well. 
So I'm very happy with my RSS workflows as we are here in 2015. I've got a great service that gives me some interesting backend support, and I've got some really beautiful and useful applications to allow me to keep up with all the news. So I would say that the onslaught is managed when it comes to RSS. Excellent. How about you? So my my current RSS plan, you know, it hasn't changed a ton. Probably the biggest change is that I switched over to Feedly. Um, and really, that's because it's good enough. You know, I don't know that that's such a, a ringing endorsement, but for the back end service, it, it hasn't materially changed the way that I use RSS because uh, it basically functions the same way that Google Reader did. Um, I seldom use the web interface through Feedly. All my interaction is basically through my apps. Um, and the apps that I use are primarily Mr. Reader on the iPad. Um, I will say, thankfully, uh, with a recent update, they did get rid of that kooky little icon with the guy with the top hat because it was really, really bad before. Um, and I use Reader on um, on the computer, on the Mac. Uh, I tried Reader for the iPad because I switched over to Mr. Reader when it wasn't available. And I just I found that I liked Mr. Reader better. So I use Mr. Reader on the iPad and I still do use Reader on the Mac. But again, because of the beauty of of syncing in the background, um, it doesn't matter. And um, I will tell you that I really don't use RSS that much on the iPhone. Um, a Mac Power Users listener did give me a tip, uh, and they said install slow feeds on the Mac, and that is because it's one of the few RSS apps that has extension support, which I've added to my share sheet. So if you happen to come across a feed that you want to add, you can add it via easy extension to slow feeds, and then it will sync across to all of your devices. So I've done that. Uh, so my workflow is really um, first thing in the morning, I set my alarm accordingly. I reach over and I grab my my iPad on my nightstand and I go through all of my RSS feeds. Uh, if it's short, I'll read it. Um, and if it's something I'm very interested in and I've got time, I'll read it. Otherwise, I'll kind of triage stuff off and, and save it to Instapaper. And sometimes if I've got time in the morning, I'll I'll go through my Instapaper queue. And we're going to talk about read it later services later um, and pick off a few things to read. But primarily, I'm just going through my RSS feeds. Um, and then probably again at lunch, if I if I happen to be eating lunch at my desk, which I know is not a good thing, that's when I'll I'll pop up Reader on the Mac and I'll I'll go through my RSS feeds again, usually again at lunchtime. And I probably check them twice a day. So first thing in the morning and again at lunch on a normal day. That's funny because I, I mean, the phone is probably the primary place I go through my RSS feeds where the, so the iPad, the iPad is probably the primary place where I read pocket and the phone is where I primary place where I read RSS. Like, you know, if I go out to lunch, I always, while I'm waiting for my food, I'll go through the feeds. So it's you know, to each his own. I, what I would recommend if you're out there and you've not done RSS at all is probably start with Feedly, get yourself a free account. And set up some feeds and see how it works for you and try out some of the apps Katie and I are talking about. None of them are that expensive and all these people need support, frankly. So so check them out and see which ones you like. And if you want to take it to kind of the nerdy level, look at Newsblur or Feed Wrangler because those things can, especially if you have a lot of feeds, they can help make your life a little bit easier. So I, I'd say overall, RSS is better than ever. I mean, a lot of people were worried about it when, when Google pulled out that this was going to be the end of RSS and it'd be harder for bloggers to maintain an audience. But it seems to me like it was kind of like Y2K. Everybody worried about it. But at the end of the day, it really didn't affect things that much. 
Yeah. And, you know, we both talked about what do we do after RSS? And sometimes the answer is we read it. Sometimes the answer is we mark it as read and we get rid of it. Uh, and then sometimes the answer is we defer it. You know, it kind of sounds like the GTD method, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it does. <laughs> and and we, we send it off to a read it later application. And and so that's really the next part of what we're going to talk about here is, is, is following up on read it later services. You know, that was a whole nother show that we did. Uh, we did that back on episode 149, I think, was the was the read it later episode. And so we're just going to update that again here. But I think it makes sense to do these two together because for me at least, and I think for you as well, read it later is really the second piece to that RSS feed. Yeah. Because that's yeah. where it ultimately ends up. So. so let's talk about read it later and the two big services in that space, Instapaper and Pocket. Uh, before we do that, uh, I'd like to mention briefly our sponsor, Squarespace. And Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. We had a family friend that runs an online store uh, just a couple weeks ago, and they were very proud uh, of their site. They spent some money, you know, getting it updated. And and the problem was about a week after they had their big site update, they their site got hacked. And, you know, they're collecting credit card information on their website. They were completely freaked out. They had to shut their store down. Happened, of course, always on a Friday afternoon. So their store was shut down until Monday. Then their web guy couldn't figure out if there was something wrong. Then we had to help them find someone qualified to fix their site because the, the original website guy didn't know. And the whole time I was listening to this, like, horror story, all I could think of is why didn't they just do it on Squarespace? Squarespace is simple, powerful, beautiful. They've got 24-7 support, even even on Friday afternoon. It's not that expensive. You can get started for $8 a month and you get a free domain if you buy it by the year. Um, it's responsive design, so it looks good on a phone or an iPad or a computer. It doesn't matter what device you put on it. And they support commerce. Every website on Squarespace comes with commerce. As you scale up, you get even more commerce support. It's just a great service. And because they manage the whole widget, they do the hosting for you. They're the engine you know, you don't have these kinds of problems where your site gets hacked and you don't even understand it. And there's five different vendors and nobody's, everybody's pointing a finger at each other. So it's just, it's terrible what's out there. Squarespace solves so many of those problems for you. So go ahead and go to squarespace.com. You can get started with no credit card required and start building your website. You're going to be amazed at how easy it is to take a website and customize it and make it your own. They have great They have great templates, but you can take that as a starting point. And if you decide you're in, uh, use the offer code MPU, and that gets you 10% off your first purchase, and it shows your support for Mac Power users. Thanks, Squarespace, for supporting the Mac Power users, and frankly, thanks, Squarespace, for making a blogging engine and a website service that just, just rocks. So go check it out. Build it beautiful at Squarespace. So, you know, I think we need to go back to basics a little bit with, with read it later services and they, they still fundamentally solve the same problem that they always did is you, you come across something interesting that you want to read and you don't have time to read it right now. And so it's basically a place that you can save this information for later, but they do a little bit more than that. In addition to saving this information for later, generally they, they reformat the content on the site. They give you a pretty, you know, text or, or reader view of the site, usually with minimalistic images. You know, usually they strip out the ad text and other distraction things, and that's, you know, kind of a little bit controversial or not. 
Um, but it also allows you an offline reading experience. So uh, once this is saved to the Read It Later service and then that content is downloaded to your app of choice, um, you're done. You've got it. So once it's downloaded to your app, if you then get on a plane or get in a subway uh, and have a place where you now can't access an Internet connection, which is becoming a little rarer these days, but but still there are places where that happens. You, you've now got this paper or this this. It's not real paper, but this this uh, virtual paper all queued up and, and ready to go. And it, you know, I give it an analogy of it's basically like creating your own magazine uh, from Internet content based yeah, on what is, you want to read. And this is a technology that really has a lineage. I mean, just like we know Markdown exists because John Gruber wanted it. And read it later services largely exist because of Marco Arment, another person in our community. Uh, because he wanted to read things on the subway later yeah so and he created instapaper yeah so instapaper was the first service out there to do this and that's the service that katie currently uses so why don't you give us a bit of an overview of what instapaper is doing yeah and you know instapaper i think is the service that we both initially started using and a couple of reasons for that one is because it was one of the first services out there uh and and two admittedly because we initially both wanted to support Marco because he was a member of our community. And, you know, Marco has now sold off Instapaper to Betaworks, which makes it a little easier to go off and, and try new services. But I ultimately, I always come back to Instapaper. And I don't know if it's habit, but for me, Instapaper is is ultimately my favorite Read It Later service of choice. Um, and probably the biggest feature of that is because I think it gives the best reading experience. They really sweat the details specifically when it comes to typography and and layout for Instapaper. You know, Instapaper was really one of the first to add custom fonts, you know, beyond just the standard WebKit type fonts. So you can really customize your reading experience. And it, especially on a retina display, if you're reading it on a retina iPad, uh, it really almost feels like you're reading nice paper because you can really customize that experience, whether for everything from customizing the text size to the text type to the background. You know, they even added some spots that are specifically designed for people with dyslexia. And so they, they really sweat those details. Um, they have advanced in some areas where others have not, and they're also still lagging in some areas. Um, we saw Instapaper, if, if you if you had a sharp eye, uh, you may have noticed that in the Apple Watch commercial, there's an icon for Instapaper. Um, I'm not really sure that I want Instapaper on my watch, but apparently there's going to be an Instapaper app for the watch, so they appear to still be innovating. Uh, Instapaper does allow you to save content and manage it into folders. They were one of the first, and I still believe perhaps one of the only, to allow you to save content to the Kindle. Um, and uh, Instapaper has also supported handoff. So if you start reading something on Instapaper on your phone, which I do, and then all of a sudden you decide, you know, this is taking longer than I thought, I'm going to pick this up on my iPad, uh, you can do that as well. Um, perhaps one of the uh, best features of Instapaper that's a rarely, fairly new addition uh, is they added a speech capability to Instapaper. Um, and, you know, Federico Fatici is famous for writing really long form articles. And so I'm Instapapering his stuff all the time. And he wrote a really great one uh, recently that, that got some notoriety about how he used Apple devices and iOS to get back in shape after cancer. I'm sure you probably read it or are familiar with it. 
Uh, and I listened to that uh, using Instapaper uh, when when I was you know driving out to the lake one day. I, you know, it's about a a thirty minute drive each way, and that was about as much time as it took to queue it up. And it's it's the Siri voice that reads it, and so it's it's not perfect. Um, It'd but be so much better with an Italian accent. It it would be, um, and so there's not a lot of customization, but. That was a, you know, that was something that I wanted to do that afternoon is I wanted to read that article. And instead, I ended up unexpectedly going going out to meet some some family and friends out at the lake. Um, and so I said, you know, I really wanted to read this. I'm not going to get an opportunity to do this before the Apple event. And so I said, you know what? I can fix this. Instapay. I put it in my car with Instapaper and told it to play and and boom. So yeah, they've, they've also got highlighting support now, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Instapaper was one of the first there with sharing support. You know, they've got a they've got a share extension in iOS. No share extension in the Mac yet because they don't have a dedicated app Mac, but or Mac app. But uh, with Instapaper, you can share to Facebook, Twitter, Pinboard, Evernote, OmniFocus, you know, all of those types of things. Um, and uh, Instapaper, Marco says he was not the first because he got the idea from someone else. But they were one of the first to come out with this geolocation feature. So, for example, uh, as we talked about with the Read It Later services, it doesn't do you, um, you know, if you if you save a bunch of things to your Read It Later service, that's going to sync up to the cloud, but you want to be able to download it to your device. So with Instapaper, you can set a couple of locations uh, to allow things to automatically download. So I've got my office and I've got my home, both where my, my phone and my iPad are, are connected to the Internet connection. So when I arrive at home or if I arrive at the office, both my phone and my iPad are going to automatically reconnect in the background and start downloading stuff. Is is that still a thing? I mean, why why don't they just use background syncing? You know, they probably they probably do now. But I think sometimes background syncing gets turned off and so this is a secondary. So it's still so the option still exists. Yeah, I think so. And you and you know what I completely I completely forgot about background syncing, but you're right. Of course they use that now. Yeah. The um yeah, I agree with you. Instapaper always seemed like it looked better than than the other options out there. And I think it probably still does. I'm looking at screenshots here. Um, and the speech feature is great, especially if that's something you're going to use. I mean, I think that that's like a, um, it's one of those killer features where you're like, I'm using the app just because of this one feature. And and we've um, had so many people write in and ask us, Hey, do you, and we've talked about that voice stream app before. Yeah. Uh, and now this is basically it built in. Cause that was the only thing that I used voice stream for is to take my Instapaper queue and read it. Now voice stream does have some other functionalities. Like you can pick custom voices, with Instapaper, all you get is Siri. But yeah, well, and I have so so I'm using. Should I move on to mine now? Well, I just I want to highlight a couple of quick improvements, and specifically since the last show. Okay. They got that speech feature, you know. Yeah. So that's one. Um, the last show we were lamenting the fact that they didn't have great if this then that support or hardly any. Yeah. Um, they did get that, so they've got some basic if this then that integration well, now. Can I talk about that for a minute? Because that's something that's very important to me. And okay. um, and the way it works in Instapaper is if you save a article to a folder, then that can trigger an Instapaper action. And and I think that's really important to have the ability to do things like the OmniFocus, you know, um, you know the secret OmniFocus. I forget what's the name of that. You have a secret email address if you're an OmniFocus. Just mail drop. You, mail drop. So if you send an art, an article or a URL or something to this secret email address, it creates a new task for you. And and Pocket, the service I used, was very early on board with the types of if this then that support that could say if I tag it, you know, write this up, it will get, it'll create an OmniFocus task for me, which is just hugely useful and 
in the stuff I do. Um, now they've got it, but the way the Instapaper methodology is you have to create a folder and drop it in that folder. But that, that but, will work. But you can also trigger things with Instapaper via likes. Yeah. yeah. But that that is very generic. You know, I mean, whereas it, like with the idea with Pocket is you can have multiple tags and you can have it do all sorts of different things. A like is, is, a, is a one or a zero. You know, you can't say, if I like it, do this or that or that. Um, if this and that's only going to do one thing. But it's still no, no. I agree. I agree. They they've really caught up in a lot of ways there. Um, and then they got uh, a Safari extension. I didn't even know that until I started researching for the show. But before we always had to use the bookmark. They apparently have a Safari extension now. Yeah. Um, and they got better, but still not great video support. You know, to me, the two big things that are still well, three really, the big things that are still missing from Instapaper. They don't have a dedicated Mac app. I know there are third party apps that you can get that will integrate with it. But um, they don't have a dedicated Mac app. But I would add that their website's a lot better than it used to be. It is. Uh, but if they got a Mac app, then they could use the share sheet. Yeah. Um, they they also really, they still need to up their game on video support. Because I think other services are, are eating their lunch on that. Uh, and tagging. They still don't have support for tagging. I, I would agree with all three of those points. Yeah. But I know, I know you're, you're jumping at the bit because I've been talking for a while. So tell us about your Redelator service of choice. Well, I, you know, it's not that easy. I think every time we come back to this, the two services are closer in feature set. Um, I mean, the, the, the original idea was Instapaper looks beautiful, has lousy if this, then that support. So you pick your poison. If you want it to look great, use Instapaper. And if you want to use if this, then that automation, you pick Pocket. I mean, that's to me, that's it felt like to me that was the whole contest at the time. Well, since then, um, uh, Pocket got better typography. Instapaper got better if this than that support. And they're all adding features. So I, I don't think there's a clear winner here. But I've been using Pocket and to a certain extent at this point. It's momentum for me. You know, you start getting invested in a service and it's hard to, to switch over. Like I started testing the if this then that I'm sorry the Instapaper service with the if this then that support and it's pretty good so I, I could probably go back to it now. The um the fact that it reads articles to me is is really nice except for the fact that I have the Voice Stream app on my phone and almost never use it. I mean usually when I'm in the car I'm uh, listening to jazz talking to someone else on the phone or listening to a podcast and the podcast list I have is inexhaustible. I mean, there's not enough time to listen to the podcast I have. So I'm just not sure that's a service I need that much. Uh, but anyway, so talking about pocket, uh, pocket is free. Um, but they do have a paid service. I'm going to talk about them. And did you talk about, by the way, the subscription service for Instapaper? Oh, you know, I don't think I did, but they do have a subscription service. I think it's a uh, two ninety nine a month. Uh, or is it twenty nine ninety nine a year? I'm I've moved off yeah, that, that page. About of the, right. Yeah, I've moved yeah. off that page of the outline. I apologize, um, but it does give you some some interesting things. And I think I am grandfathered in because I had bought a, a subscription to Instapaper. Before. They've they've changed their subscription model a little bit, and I bought a subscription to the old Instapaper that I think I'm still using. So I think I'm still grandfathered in. But what it gives you is it gives you full text search. Um, unlimited highlights. And to me, the big thing, um, other than just supporting development, would be it gives you text-to-speech playlists. So if you have the free version, you can select a story in Instapaper and, and say, speak. If you have, which if you have a Federico Vitici article is fine. That will get you through to wherever you want to go and back. But if, <laughs> I kid, Federico, I kid. But if you, um, if you have a, a playlist, 
for speech uh, or, or more normal length articles, you can queue up several in, in a playlist and, and play those. Yeah. So, uh, so pocket is a, um, is an alternative service and uh, they have a couple things going for them. Uh, they have a Mac app. I mean, they've got an iOS and an iPad app, but they also have a Mac app. And it's kind of nice being able to see this list in a dedicated application. Um, it, you know, it just works better as opposed to a web browser. And I was never very happy with the Instapaper browser view. And I think even Marco, back when he was running it, would admit that was not his his focus. But, you know, this is another one. Instapaper's web view is a lot better than it used to be, even though they don't have an app. But anyway, with Pocket, you get a dedicated Mac app, which is kind of nice. It has the ability to tie into the to the share sheet with Yosemite. So when I click the little, you know, rectangle with the arrow pointing at the top of it, I can save something to Instapaper right there without having to do anything wonky. And that's kind of nice, I have to admit. Um, but what really works great for me with um, with Pocket is the use of tags. And and I, I've never been a huge proponent of tags in the Mac Power users. I think in some ways it can become, you know, can kind of get in the way of getting things done. You spend all your time tagging and none of your time doing work. But with these types of articles, tagging is essential for me because I, I tag articles for things I want to use as research for maybe a legal brief or as um, something I want to, to research for another book I'm going to write for Mac Sparky. Or maybe it's something that I'm going to write an article about at the website. I mean, I have a lot of different tags I use, and I don't want every article to have just one tag. You know, that's the problem with folders. You can put it into one folder. But like, as an example, maybe I see something that I want to write about at Max Sparky, but I also want to set aside for research on a future book or article I'm writing. Well, I'd have to pick one folder. If I was using a folder system with tags, I can do both of those things without a problem. Okay, that was a long explanation of saying Pocket does tags. Those tags are really useful. Yeah, and I typically use folders for you know big projects that I'm working on is I'll save things in Instapaper folders. Or, yeah. or I'll use another service, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. So anyway, so that that's really the big deal for me with Pocket. Uh, you know, I can deal, the typography may not be as good, but you know what? The fact that it has tags for me trumps that. And they have really great support. And it, it, this is actually a little bit of a repeat of last time we talked about this because it's still true. They have really great support for if this, then that, including an if this, then that rule that can be conditioned upon the tag. So if I tag something with the word post P O S T, it sends it all the way over to um, OmniFocus creates a task for me. It says write post about, and then it inserts the name of the article and puts the link in and saves it to OmniFocus. And just like that, I've created a task for myself in the future. Future. If I put a link in that says, you know, field guide, you know, insert name of the next field guide, it will send it over to there. It will, you know, keep it'll keep it posted for me. I, you know, I've just got if this and that doing a ton of work for me on the back end as I go through and tag these articles. I but can is, mark. An, is all of that really necessary now with sharing extensions? Uh, yeah, it still works for me. Okay. It still works for me because I can, like, for instance, the OmniFocus one, I can write the entry. I can add text to it using if this, then that. Does that make sense? And to me, to add the word post, a tag called post, which is a, a created tag, is like one tap or possibly two taps. Whereas using a share extension requires opening the extension, typing it in. There's just a whole bunch of more activity involved. And I want to reduce that as, as much as possible. Right. But uh, for, correct me here. If you just tag it with post... Then it just goes into your OmniFocus inbox and you still have to, to 
I guess that's not what I'm, how, how can it, then you still have to process it, right? Yes. Right. But well, if, if I no. use the OmniFocus sharing extension from within Instapaper, then yeah, but it, I can. It's faster for me to process it on my Mac when I go through my inbox with all my other inbox things than to stop and do it right in the sharing extension. Okay. And so, so to me, the tags are the thing that, that make it great. And also, frankly, I can go and review articles based on tags and, you know, just the tags really work for me in a read a later service. Um, the layout isn't bad. I mean, we keep talking about how the uh, typography is better in Instapaper, but the, the actual layout of the application, the ability to get to articles, I think is fine in pocket. I don't know if it's better or worse. Um, video works fine. Um, it's super easy sharing the stuff. I mean, they have their own buttons, but they also have the sharing extensions and, and they also have a premium service. And I, I recently signed up for the premium service for the first time. There was a deal out where you could up, you know, you could update your Evernote and your oh, pocket. Yeah. That was a good deal. And it, yeah. It was like, I think it was like 40 bucks for the, and I got both of those upgraded for a year. So that was worth it. With the premium service is very similar to Instapaper. You get permanent storage, permanent backup. Uh, it's got better search. You can search with advanced options. You can even search the full text of what you've saved. And they have a, a, a methodology that puts suggested tags in for you. If you're a premium subscriber, um, you know, the limitations are like, I think, like Katie said, I think Instapaper probably does a better job of displaying the article. I don't know that they have any, um, intention of adding a service that allows it to read the articles aloud for you. Like Instapaper does. Um, but you know, you, and, you could use iOS accessibility to do that. Yeah, you could. But, or you know, voice stream. Easy. Once again, that is not as easy as it sounds. You know, to select like that whole Federico article and get it to read it. Um, I, in my experience, a lot of times it's really great at doing one paragraph, but getting it to select the whole article becomes pretty tedious. Um, so I think Instapaper solution is better. I think these services are a lot closer than they used to be. Yeah. I think my takeaway with us with this discussion is if you're happy with one, uh, there's probably not that much reason to move unless there's just one killer feature. Right. All right. Well, there are a couple of other solutions out there or maybe a couple of add-on solutions out there that are worth talking about. But before we go there, uh, I do want to take a moment and talk about our last sponsor for this episode, and that is our pals over at Fracture. Um, and so I love Fracture. You know, David, I know you talked about how um, you just recently got some Fracture prints of your Max Sparky field guides and everything. And I don't know why, but it is wedding season for me. And I have been invited to so many weddings recently. I guess it's spring and that's when everybody's getting married. And I have two friends in particular, uh, one's a good friend of mine and one's an aunt who are getting married a little bit later in life. Um, and it's just like, what do you get the person who already has everything? You know, they've already got their house established. They've, um, you know, maybe they've already been married before. And it just, it struck me, you know what both of these people are getting? I don't think either of them listen to the podcast, but they're both getting fractures because what a fracture allows you to do is it allows you to take your photo and print it in vivid color, directly on glass. I have uh, two big fractures, uh, the two large square ones uh, in my office, and I can't even begin to tell you how many comments I get on these. All of my clients who come and comment on on these, uh, they are just the best conversation starters 
because many people have never seen anything like them before. And I say, yeah, I got those from Fracture. And by the way, did you know that if you go to Fracture.com and enter promo code MAC15, you can save 15% on your order? And they said, really? And I said, yeah, sounds like I've said that before, hasn't I? But anyway, uh, the Fractures are great because once you get them, you pick your photo, um, they will take care of it. You go on their website. It's it's very easy to use. They'll tell you whether your photo is sized correctly, whether your photo is good enough quality for based on the size that you want to order. Uh, and then they ship you everything you need for your photo or your digital artwork, whether you're going to hang it on your wall or whether you're going to put it on your desk. Everything is right there in the box, including the screw that you're going to use to put this on the wall. I mean, they really sweat the details uh, and their prices start at just $15 for a five by five print. Uh, I have actually had an opportunity to go by and visit their facility down in Gainesville, um, and everything that they have is handmade and checked for quality. Uh, it is just an amazing operation to see this thing work. It is the thinnest, lightest, and most elegant way to display all of your photos. And that's why I'm buying these as wedding gifts, because they make a very unique gift. And in my case, I don't have a photo for these people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them uh, Fracture uh, gift certificates. You can also pick up gift certificates on the Fracture site. Uh, so go check them out. If you've got a photo, you can use that. And if you're not quite sure what to get the person who already has everything, uh, they've also got gift certificate options as well. Uh, so go to FractureMe.com. And if you decide to order, and I don't believe this coupon code works on gift certificates, unfortunately, but if you know what you want to order, uh, use the coupon code MAC15 uh, to save 15%. Uh, and thanks to everyone at Fracture for supporting the show. All right. So uh, Instapaper and Pocket are the big dogs with the Read It Later service, but there are some other options, and we've been teasing at one of them uh, for a while, and that's Apple's reading list. A couple of years ago at WWDC, Apple announced, hey, guess what? We got this great new feature in uh, Safari, and it's called Reading List, and it's basically a Read It Later service for your Mac, and it works it syncs using iCloud across to uh, your iPad and your iPhone. Um, I I still use Reading List. I think it's kind of nice it, to me. It's kind of like an, an immediate, it's something if I, I'm just like working on right now and I'm going to pick up later in the day, a lot of times I'll just put it in reading list. I don't use it at all. You don't, but that's, okay. that, so you're basically using it as a saved bookmark, but, yeah, but it's not, it's not a site it, that's in, that's, that's actually a good use for it. I hadn't well, thought about that. I would add to it. It's a temporary saved a temp- bookmark. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's a saved bookmark, but it's not important enough that you actually want to create a bookmark. Yeah, exactly. That's a good, and that's a good like idea. Like when I was setting up this, this law firm, I had, there's like vendors and people that provide services I may need. And I had, you know, doing a search, I found four billing services that I thought were in the ballpark. So I'd put those into reading list and be able to kind of jump back and forth between their websites. And as I picked one, the others would just get deleted. Um, I don't like to keep reading list full. Like right now my reading list has like five items in it. Um, and it works for that. Yeah. Um, another one is readability. And I, I think it's probably a good starter option for people. But, you know, the basic version of Instapaper is free and the basic version of Pocket is free. I I think both of those services are probably more compelling than readability at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a place for it anymore. Yeah. I, but I mention it. There's nothing wrong with readability. Um, Evernote is another good place for kind of long-term storage. Katie's talked about that often on our show, how she uses it as an archive. Yeah. Um, And so things that the the way things typically flow is they typically go RSS to read it later. And then from read it later to Evernote. Yeah. And both Instapaper and pocket make a one button and essentially export to Evernote. And not only do they make it a one button export, they also 
track your notebooks so you can put it into a specific notebook, which I think is very useful. Yeah. Uh, pinboard. Pinboard. Do you use pinboard at all? Well, you know, it, it's a funny thing. Pinboard is kind of the the geek popular service for saving web links. And like some of some of the people who have been on our show are very active with pinboard. Like they sh- they share and publicize their their links in pinboard. Um, I went and signed up for an account. They had an interesting business model. It was it got more expensive the more successful the service became, yeah. which you know gives you the sense of urgency. So I signed up for an account several years ago and. I've got a rule in pocket that anything I mark to pocket gets saved to pinboard. I have and, a, I have a similar one in Instapaper. And and so what this does is it doesn't just save the link. It actually yanks all the text out and creates an archival version of the internet that's important to David. And so I can go back and search that in pinboard. And I have that, I have that ability now with a paid version of pocket, you know, that's one of the benefits of it. But this one I have in pinboard goes back years. And I like the idea that I could at any time I want, I could go back and search all the stuff I've marked to Instapaper or pin or pocket over the years through pinboard and get whatever it is I need. That being said, I've done it like three times in the whole period. I've done it a couple of times. And, and I think if you, if you find something that you really need once or twice, it's probably worth it because I too paid for it. And I think I paid like 11 bucks and, and now I'm done and I'm good. And, and that makes sense. Uh, the, so I use it more for archival. It, they call it kind of social bookmarking for, for introverts because I, I made, I think I made my account public so people can go follow me on pinboard if they want. Um, the only thing that I'll, I'll say in full disclosure is that, um, you know, pinboard gets anything that I save to Evernote and, or excuse me, save to Instapaper. Sometimes it's easy to accidentally save things to Instapaper. So, you know, keep in mind sometimes things are in there that I didn't really mean to be in there. But I use it for an interesting feature. I don't know if you noticed on the sidebar of katiefloyd.me, um, I have a I have a, a an item called reading list. And what you'll see if you click on that is like a, a link, I think it's of 10 of 15 items. And that's the last 10 to 15 items that I saved in Instapaper. And the way that I got that is a little snippet of code from Pinboard because I couldn't find a way to get it from Instapaper, so I used Pinboard to do it. So, you know, you'll sometimes you'll see posts, I think Brett Terpster does it, of, you know, here's five interesting things that I saw on the web. And I, I've had people ask me from time to time, you know, what are you reading? What are you interested in? It's like, well, if, if you ever want to know, go on my site and you'll see the last couple things I've, I've saved to Instapaper, and that's what I'm reading. I, I'm reading it right now. I see you have several articles about the 13-inch MacBook Pro with Retina display, Katie Floyd. I have a little problem. <laughs> Any progress on that? Are you still are you still uh, in decision hell? I, I my my decision has mostly narrowed at this point to either get the Retina MacBook Pro or wait, and I'm leaning more towards waiting another year. Yeah. I'm kind of the same as you. I, be, be, because I, I had a little issue last night, and I think I'm going to have to upgrade my Apple Watch choice. Uh oh. Yes. Okay. Let's hear that. We're at the end of the show, folks. We're at the end. Yeah. We're at the end of the show. All right. So you know where we last left our hero, she had decided that she was going to get the very lowest end of the Apple Watch because this was something. Number one, I'm I'm frugal and AKA cheap, and number two, I decided that this was a device that I was going to um, you know use for a couple of years and then want to upgrade. So I had decided that I was going to get the low end model. I was going to get the you know entry level, keep the sport band, and just you know do that, and then. I actually gave you flack when you were thinking about upgrading. 
So yeah, you did quite. Yeah. You know, yeah. Quite, <laughs> so feel, feel free to give <laughs> it back. Strenuously. But, um, so every Sunday night, my family has a tradition Sunday night dinner. Um, mom calls us back all home and we all go, go home first and she makes dinner. Um, and so Sunday night I was helping her with some stuff on her computer and she, you know, was asking me about what I was doing and we were talking about the Apple announcements and she says, well, you know, show me these watches. And so I showed her the watch and, I, and she said, well, which one are you getting? And I, and I showed her and she said, no. And, and I said, why? And, and, you know, she talked about it for a few minutes. She said, do you want a watch that you can wear everywhere like a piece of jewelry or do you want a sports watch? And I was done after that. I knew I've just, she's just cost me $400 more wow. than I was already wow, planning mom. on attending. And, and she even went so far to get up and go to, she, she took the watch off my dad's wrist, which was a flat, um, which was a flat metal. And then she took the watch off of her wrist, which was a, a shiny metal which, you know, would kind of com- compare to the anodized aluminum versus the, the the Apple steel. And she says, look, cheap watch, nice watch. And, and so that was the obvious message of, no, Katie, you're you're getting the, if, if this is something that you're going to wear out and about, you're getting the Apple Watch edition. Oh, and by the way, you're getting one of the leather bands. I've been using my uh, Timex for 20 years going to court and nobody's ever said anything. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, my, yeah. my mother's going to say something, so don't yeah. let her see you with that thing. Yeah. I don't know either. I, like I said, like I said in the show, just to me, the math isn't that far off. And with the, the upgraded version, you do get, um, the, you don't get the glass, but the, um, sapphire crystal, which would be right. less likely a scratch. I do think that when you want to buy a new one in the future, that there's a good chance you'll be able to sell the old one. So even if you get the upgraded one, you'll probably get a little bit more money for it. It's not going to, it's not going to be that big of a difference. If you can afford the the middle of the road, I'm not going to judge you. So that's fine. I, it's funny. I had Adam Christensen at my house. We did a uh, Macworld South at the Sparks house last weekend. And uh, Adam was here and he says, you know, the thing is there's going to be a bunch of people making straps after they come out. And I think he's got a point, you know, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm justifying possibly getting the the metal one is because the strap is $150. And once you spend that, you're really close to just buying the metal one. You know, but by the time you buy the strap, the leather strap, plus the sports watch, I, to answer your question, though, I have no idea. I'm going to wait and go see them in the store and I'll make a decision. Okay. Right. Okay. But if you do that, then you're going to be behind in the queue. Wow. Well, maybe I'll make a decision and, and, um, and go and wait in the store and cancel. Maybe I'll just buy the order the cheaper one. Because that's that's what I thought about. Because you know I don't have an yeah. Apple store here, so I thought about I'm just gonna I'm gonna plan a trip that following Saturday, which I guess would be the the 11th. Um, yeah. I'm gonna plan a trip that Saturday the 11th. Make a day of it. You know, go to the Apple store, um, and and go see them. And then I thought, no, if I wait, you know, it's gonna be a mad frenzy at midnight of people putting their orders in. And the people who get up at midnight and get their orders in first are going to get rewarded and they're going to be the first delivery dates. And if you wait, you're going to be pushed back four to five weeks. It's funny. Um, we had um, it's just exciting to have some new Apple technology that everybody's excited about. So at this Macworld South thing we did, it wasn't a very big gathering. It was Adam and Gene and Gene McDonald and Liana LaHua and myself. And it was funny. We were just sitting around talking about it and it was really kind of fun to be just nerding out on some new product that we haven't seen yet. None of us have had our hands on, but you know, what is Apple doing for us right now? I bet a lot of our listeners are feeling the same way. Let us know. Um, 
anyway, I think we should probably sh- close the show down for today. But it is kind of fun talking about this stuff, I have to admit. Yeah. All right. Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode uh, by visiting our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. You can also follow the show on Twitter uh, at MacPowerUsers. Uh, I'm Katie Floyd. David is Max Sparky. Oh, and David, where can they find us in their RSS feed? <laughs> yeah, they could they could um, send us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And to find an RSS feed, we really didn't explain that. Go to any website. And they usually have an RSS button right there. And and our and website, can, uh, yeah, I think I already said that. But uh, David, you can find the Max Sparky website at uh, MaxSparky.com or yeah, Katie, Floyd Max, at, right. Katie Floyd at me. And, and we have buttons to our RSS feeds. Yeah, some people don't. And you know what? It's not that hard to find them. If you just go into whatever your RSS app of choice is and you type in a URL, it will go and sniff it out for you. Yeah. So, All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll, we'll see you here next time. <laughs>